Welcome. Welcome to the November Citizens Climate Lobby call. My name is Mark Reynolds. I'm a member of the Citizens Climate Lobby board, and I'll be hosting today's call. Uh, if you're new to Citizens Climate Lobby, maybe you're a member of the chapters that started since last month's call, or maybe you're just a new member of an existing chapter, I want to just share a tiny bit about Citizens Climate Lobby before we get started. Citizens Climate Lobby offers every person who is worried about climate change the opportunity to make an impact far beyond their personal lifestyle choices. Our education and training turns ordinary citizens into highly effective volunteer lobbyists, organizers, and communicators who get meaningful climate legislation passed. Our four policy agenda items are first and foremost, carbon pricing, healthy forests, building electrification and efficiency, and clean energy permitting reform. So it's gonna be happening today in just a moment. I'll be introducing our guest, Sam Daly-Harris. After that, we'll hear from our Senior Vice President of uh, Government Affairs, uh, Dr. Uh, Jennifer Tyler, who will talk about our path forward after the election. Uh, we'll go over some of the other interesting things that have happened since last month's call. Uh, you've probably noticed in the action sheet that the year-end appeal is underway, and it's a little bit different this year in that the matching grant happens from now until Giving Tuesday, so I want to talk about that. The six things that we have as possible actions for you uh, this month, and then uh, I want to talk about the December conference, because just like I said in last month's call, I think it's the most important conference we've ever had. A lot of people, because Sam Daly-Harris has been really one of our most frequent guests on national conferences, on monthly calls and regional conferences, a lot of you know a lot about Sam and that he started Results 42 years ago and built this incredible advocacy organization that we modeled ourselves after. And then he's now training other organizations in that type of advocacy, which I think is remarkable. Here's two things that I bet you don't know about Sam. One is in the first 18 months of Results, Sam did five 21 city tours. So that's, for those of us who've done organizing and traveled around and make stuff like that happen, five 21 city tours over an 18th month period, which I think is, is amazing. Here's the other thing that, that I want you to know about Sam. Where Sam goes, music goes also. And those of you who know him should say, sure, he's a classically trained musician, you know, that, but, and that might be part of it. Here's what I think is really part of it. I think music is one of those things that appeals to our better self, our bigger self. And a lot of us have found things in common where we could love something together, where we might disagree in other places. I think that's part of what, uh, what, why music comes with Sam. You know, Beethoven famously said, music is the language of God. Who am I to quibble with Beethoven? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. So one of the things that Sam used to do in the early results conference is he used to sing the participants, train the participants how to sing the song, The Rose. You know that song that starts out, some say love. And so you would have a member of Congress or some speaker came, and then the entire conference would serenade him to this beautiful song. So last year we celebrated Sam's 75th birthday. And oh my God, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, obviously, but out of nowhere to me, the woman who wrote that song is there and sings it to Sam. Uh, it definitely appealed to my better self. So I guess really my first question today, Sam, is is you're going to be singing to us at all or is you just going to be doing your regular presentation? No, just regular. Uh, okay, welcome. Thank you. And hi, everyone. And I, we would sing in three-part harmony. I, I wouldn't sing to them. It would be uh, amazing. It is such an honor to be with you this uh, morning, afternoon. I'm so blown away by your actions. In my presentation right now, I'm going to link transformational advocacy. Hari Han calls it transformational organizing. 
to a state my statement by Ray, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. And as you know, transactional advocacy is like sign the petition, transaction complete. But with transformational advocacy, advocates are trained, that's you guys, encouraged and then succeed at doing things they never thought they could do. And as a result, see themselves in a new light, see themselves as community leaders. And so I wanna link that transformational advocacy to this statement by Rabbi Heschel. Our goal should be to live a life in radical amazement. Get up in the morning, look at the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never treat life casually. To be spiritual is to be amazed. Our goal should be to live a life in radical amazement. So my question is, was your first ever meeting with a member of Congress with CCL, were you amazed? Uh, was your first letter to the editor or op-ed published with CCL, were you amazed? How has CCL helped you do things you never thought you could do? And as a result, see yourself in a new light. So I'm gonna start this section with my story of self, which basically asks what happened in your life and what decisions did you make that got you to this commitment? And think about how would your story of self go? This is a shortened version of mine. I have a bachelor's and master's degree in music and played in the symphony orchestra and taught high school music. And then 42 years ago, I founded the anti-poverty lobby results in what's the connection music poverty lobby. When I look back, there are certain experiences that start pointing me in a different direction. I graduated from high school in 64 and learned that a fraternity brother a year younger had died the day before graduation. Uh, I graduated from college in 68 and Robert Kennedy was assassinated around college graduation day. And these deaths got me to asking the questions of purpose. Why am I here? What am I here to do? What's my purpose? Nine years later, I go to a presentation on ending world hunger thinking hunger's inevi inevitable. What do I know? I'm a musician. I mean, I'm thinking there are no solutions in my mind, but I realize there's no mystery to growing food or clean water, or basic health. I'm not hopeless about the perceived lack of solutions. I'm hopeless about human nature, people. We'll just never get around to doing the things that can be done. There's one human nature I have control over my own and my questions, why am I here? What am I here to do? So I get involved in a big way. This is the end of the story. In 1978 and 79, I speak to 7,000 high school students, classroom by classroom. And before I go into the first classroom, I read some statements from the National Academy of Sciences calling for the political will to end hunger. So I asked 7,000 students, what's the name of your member of Congress? I don't want to know if you wrote them or just the name. Out of 7,000 asked, fewer than 3% could answer correctly. And that's how results group uh, grew out of that gap between the calls for the political will to end hunger on the one hand and lack of basic information on who represented us in Washington on the other. And so I wanna just share a slide, uh, Mark, a couple of them where Mark asked me, give us some examples 
of some victories using this work. And so I'll start right here. In the early 80s, results started lobbying on child survival. UNICEF, the UN Children's Fund, was reporting that 41,000 children around the world were dying every day from preventable things. Things like measles coupled with malnutrition. Results lobbied every year for 38 years, other things too, but every year on this for sure. And the latest numbers from UNICEF are that 13,800 children are dying daily scandalously high, but clearly going in the right direction. It's nearly a 66% decline in global child deaths, saving almost 10 million young lives a year compared to the early 80s. And here's some proof that results played a key role. After results, volunteers generated 90 newspaper editorials supporting tripling the child survival fund in 86, UNICEF G Executive Director Jim Grant wrote in a handwritten note to results, I thank you in my mind at least weekly, if not more often, for what you and your colleagues are accomplishing. But I thought I should do it at least once this year in writing. And then 27 years later, in a New York Times interview, UNICEF Deputy Executive Director Kool Gautam said, to a great extent, it was because of receptivity created by results that the US funding for child survival increased so dramatically, and that led many other countries to come on board. So that's advocacy that's left me amazed and grateful for my advocacy partners and results. Now I'm gonna to shift to my amazement and gratitude for my advocacy partners and citizens climate lobby. I'm gonna work with two scenarios. One is engaging the disengaged, and the other is meeting with new members of Congress. This is my new favorite quote. It's from Paul Hawken, editor of Drawdown, who said, it's estimated that between 98 and 99% of humanity is disengaged. Oh, your friends might be engaged, but between 98 and 99% of humanity is disengaged. From the Earth's point of view, there's no difference between a climate denier and someone who understands the problem but actually doesn't do anything. From the Earth's point of view, there's no, no difference between a climate denier and someone who understands the problem, but actually doesn't do anything. So this is my example of how amazing you guys are. Last year, 2021, the first full year of COVID, if you look at the bottom, you did 1,735 outreach events engaging the disengaged. There was another piece of math that I did. I took the first month of President Trump's administration, 2017, and I went out six years to 2023. I used the lowest year to make up for 2022 because we don't actually know the 2022 numbers yet. But over that six year period extrapolated, you've done 16,233 outreach events. So if this quote rings true for you, what organization would you want to be volunteering with? It's estimated that between 98 and 99% of humanity is disengaged. From the Earth's point of view, there's no difference between a climate denier and someone who understands the problem, but actually doesn't do anything. So here's another look at why working with CCL matters so much. 
that's meetings with members of Congress. In the last six years, there have been more than 340 new members of Congress. That's nearly two thirds of Congress is new in the last six years. So let me give you a quick example. In 2017, there were 77 new members. 2019, there were 107 new members. 2021, 86. Now we don't know about 2023 yet. It's not done yet. But so far, there are 73 new members of Congress. That's a total of 343 so far, or 64% of these last six years of the 535 in Congress, they are new. So if this is what CCL did last year, 2021, uh, 1,353 meetings with Congress or their staff and extrapolating out six years from President Trump's first January, first month in office until the first month of 2023, you guys will have done 8,831 meetings. It's gonna be 10,000 the year after that, meetings with members of Congress or their staff. So with nearly two thirds of Congress new over the last six years, what organization would you wanna be working with when it comes to all those new members of Congress? Our goal should be to live a life in radical amazement, get up in the morning, see the world in a way that takes nothing for granted. Everything is phenomenal. Everything is incredible. Never treat life casually. To be spiritual is to be amazed. So I'm gonna give you a couple of uh, opportunities for engagement with me and then uh, a, a one more favorite quote. Uh, write Sam at civiccourage.org, your name and the word list, if you wanna be on my e-blast list, mailing list, the word chapters, if you'd like two chapters from reclaiming our democracy, the word slides, if you want these PowerPoint slides, and the word speaker, if you're interested in having me as a speaker. I'm gonna read this twice, I think I have time, and then we'll go to questions. This is the true joy in life, the being used for a purpose, recognized by yourself as a mighty one, the being a force of nature instead of a selfish, feverish little clot of ailments and grievances, complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community, and it is my privilege to do for it whatever I can. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die, for the harder I work, the more I live. I rejoice in life for its own sake. Life is no brief candle to me. It is a sort of splendid torch, and I want to hold it as brightly as possible. Uh, sorry, life is no brief candle to me. It is a sort of splendid torch, which I've got hold of for the moment. And I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. So I'm going to leave it there and not repeat it, though I would love to, and give us some more time for Q&A. Mark would shoot me if I go over my... <laughs> <laughs> My reputation precedes me. Um, uh, Brett, let's start with what are you, what is the, what's the trending that you're seeing in the chat, Brett? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Sam. This is a great one from our CCL Huntsville chapter, and they are curious how you feel that advocacy has changed or not since you started results, Sam. 
And specifically, they're thinking about traditional media like LTEs compared to some of the other new media forms like social media. Okay, well, let me make a few distinctions. Uh, there's this guy, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, Mark Reynolds, who used to say, we're betting the farm on relationships. And so in the end, relationships, I think, are what matter the most. So for example, if I have a letter to the editor, that's earned media. In other words, I have to get through a gatekeeper. I have to get through an editor uh, to get that letter to the editor there. And if I'm a member of Congress from uh, Colorado and I'm in DC, where do I look for what the thinking is in my community? The hot blogger in town or, or do I look to my newspaper? So I think newspapers still really matter to members of Congress, number one. And number two, when I get a letter to the editor published, I don't do a dance and take a nap. No, 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 I post it on social media. I send it to my chapter and friends. I send it to my members of Congress and call the aide to make sure that they saw it. So, so I work hard to leverage it, not just get it and uh, take a nap. Cool. Brett, I'm gonna go back and forth with you a little bit here, okay? So Sam, you're coaching a lot of organizations on transformational advocacy now. And as people are looking out at organizations that they might want to participate with, do you have kind of like a set of principles that they should, or a kind of frame that they should look at to see this is, might be an organization that I would want to do something with? Yes, and what I did was I looked at CCL and I looked at results and tried to kind of synthesize what it is that made it matter. Point one, find an organization that's committed to dissolving your sense of powerlessness. That's an organization that builds chapters and brings advocates together for a national conference call. Sound familiar? Uh, so the two ingredients are enrollment and building community. Starting chapters is the enrollment. The conference call and more is building community. Uh, and um, yeah, so I think that's a very key thing. Number two, find an organization that's committed to providing you with new skills. That's an organization that provides ongoing training, yeah, and key asks of elected officials. And finally, number three, find an organization that encourages you to move out of your comfort zone. That's right. Confidence grows when you're encouraged to do things you thought you couldn't do and surprise yourself when you make it happen. Again, sound familiar? That's really what uh, a CCL is up to. Great, Brett, I'll go back and forth with you. Another one in the chat? Sure, yeah, definitely resonates with our mission to empower everyone to experience personal and political breakthroughs, doesn't it? Uh, this one comes from John and uh, he writes, some of our volunteers express feeling deeply discouraged at times, thinking their own member of Congress won't ever become the climate champion we need them to. How can we stay engaged with our members of Congress, even if we are feeling this deep discouragement? Yeah, okay. I want to go back to um, the, the word relationship, betting the farm on relationship, number one. And then number two is, what is the next step with my member of Congress who seems like they're not going to, like, what church are they a member of, of, or what college did they go to, or who in the community matters to them? Is it a business leader? Who is it that I have to enroll that can touch them maybe better than I can at the moment? 
what are the trim tabs, those little levers that uh, could touch their heart, really? Because it's not, not like people don't care. It's they know what they know. And until you're able to, to widen that, uh, it'll be a little tougher. Nice. Um, Sam, so with the other organizations that you're coaching outside of CCL and results, what are some of the results that you and they are excited about? Okay, great. So one of the groups I coached for two years at, is a Quaker lobby, FCNL. Their chapters are called advocacy teams. They have about 120 in 44 states. They had a win when Donald Trump signed a long-sought criminal justice reform measure into law, the first step act. And so that was a big deal uh, that allowed people to um, participate in evidence-based recidivism reduction programs and get credits for time they spent in those programs to uh, reduce their sentences. Another of the groups that I coach is Catholic Relief Services. They've got about a hundred chapters. Most of them started during COVID and they began working to pass the Global Child Thrive Act a bill that would require the administration to integrate early childhood development techniques into all child-focused international aid programs, activities like reading and singing to kids, playing with colorful objects, providing better nutrition, things we do with our own children and grandchildren to help them th uh, th uh, thrive. And so um, uh, they got this passed into law after actually it was in a much larger bill. The president vetoed it, and then they had the veto overridden. Uh, a volunteer in one of the chapters had a positive call on the bill with a key aide, and she said, quote, I got off the phone and tried to explain to my six-year-old why I felt so excited and how important it is to talk to people in government, to work together, to make the world a better place. I just want to share one other uh, if I can, it'll take me one second. I'm not going to do the whole victory, but the victory includes, uh, sorry, this slide. Uh, well, not there, but let's go to the next one, which is where they talk about, uh, she, she said, I learned from results that when I'm in a coffee or some kind of reception with my senator, I grab with both hands so I can hold on until I finish my laser talk. And this was on uh, a dramatic expansion of the um, Global Fund to Fight AIDS, Tuberculosis, and Malaria, which Senator Cruz supported in a resolution, which was a first for them and for him. Let me stop there. Cool. Probably add that to our lobby training. Grab them with both hands. <laughs> Don't let go until the laser talk's over. Yeah. So, Sam, you are... Um updating the book you wrote over 30 years ago, Reclaiming Our Democracy, which I believe is gonna come out uh, next year? Uh, January, 2024. January, 2024. Uh, is there an excerpt that you'd like to read to us from that book? Yes, that's right. Uh, so this is from the end of the new introduction. Uh, you might think that massive goals like uh, ending poverty and reversing climate change or ending gun violence are reserved for heroes or the foolhardy. But humans thrive on working toward a big vision. If that's true, what are some of the barriers? Many think they're too busy, but in a country that binges on TV shows and spends hours on social media, I see most people do have enough time. We just don't have time for things that don't make a difference. 
you might be thinking that some people are born advocates, born ready to go. Some might be, but I've never met them. Listen to how Marshall Saunders had to overcome his own fear of failure to launch CCL. During one of his inconvenient climate talks in 2007, this one at a retirement home in Rancho Bernardo, California, the first questioner had difficulty reading with the new energy efficient light bulbs and asked if she could to use two of the new bulbs instead of one of the old ones, but only for reading. Saunders was stumped. He didn't know what to say. The next question asks what's on all of our minds. What should we do? Saunders had been, been an activist in results for 13 years and knew how deeply it had empowered him. But listen to his answer, all of it. What's needed is a methodology of results, Saunders replied, but, needed, but what's needed is thousands of ordinary people lobbying their members of Congress one, with one voice, one message, and lobbying in a relentless, unstoppable, yet friendly and respectful way. Why don't you do that, she said. I haven't done that because nobody would come to a meeting like that. You're, you might have doubts about your ability to be a deep advocate. Listen again to founder of CCL weeks before it was launched. I haven't done that because nobody would come to a meeting like that. I'll help you. Feeling trapped, Saunders uh, ignored his doubts and said, okay, let's do it. He started inviting people to an introductory meeting, but the initial response was lacking. On a fourth call to his new helper, her husband finally answered and said his wife's bursitis had kicked up and she wouldn't be able to help. Saunders thought about canceling the meeting, but kept inviting anyway. 29 people showed up. To my great surprise, all 29 said yes to joining me, he said. Remembers, he started with no one would come to a meeting like that. Essentially, he was saying this will never work. Do you have any thoughts like that? I'd like to be a deep advocate and work on issues I care about, but I don't think it'd make much of a difference. Saunders had a new friend shouting, I'll help you. This 30th anniversary edition of Reclaiming Our Dif Democracy is that shout, I'll help you. And the book's bursitis won't kick up. In each chapter, we'll point to things you can pay special attention to, things that'll help in your journey. In the activist handbook section, I'll make it easy for you to understand how to take an action and why it matters, but always encouraging you to get support from an organization that's committed to transformational advocacy. They are few and far between, but more on that later." End of quote. Fantastic, Sam. And we are eternally grateful for that woman asking, Marshall, why don't you do that? <laughs> I'll help. <laughs> Great, Sam, thank you so much. Um, just really appreciate it. Thank you for all you've done, all you continue to do for us. Some of you may not know, but Sam coached Marshall and I extensively uh, as we started this organization. We're grateful for that also. Thank you, Sam. Thanks to everyone. Great, thank you. All right, I'd like uh, our Senior Director of Government Affairs, uh, Jen Tyler, to join us. I have a couple of questions for Jen. Uh, the first is, is you have kind of a unique perspective on us in that you were a aide on Capitol Hill for nine years. And so from that perspective, uh, you know, we just come out of our most successful legislative Congress ever. Why, why do you think the CCL volunteers are as effective as they are? 
Yeah, there's a lot of different reasons. Um, but there, you know, there's a lot of groups on the Hill who go and they talk to Democrats or they talk to Republicans or a certain type of Democrat or a certain type of Republican. But CCL, we're hitting every single office. And that was one of the first things I noticed as a Hill staffer was the army of grassroots volunteers that would just overtake the Longworth cafeteria and all of the buildings. I think that's the biggest strength um, right up front. But in those meetings, instead of just coming to my office when I was a staffer with different asks, CCL volunteers approached me and wanted to listen more than anything. They wanted to hear what I had to say, what my boss was thinking, uh, what our positions were on some of these issues. And that was really what made the difference. Not only were CCL volunteers pushing us forward on the issues, really asking us for some big requests, some really important policy items, but they were trying to move us forward with them. They were trying to become trusted messengers, become allies of the office, become a resource to us. And that's exactly what happened. That's part of why I joined CCL. I just fell in love with the organization. But I think that is by far what's enabled us to have all of these victories. More than pushing one legislative bill over another, it's the relationships we've developed that's enabled us to build this momentum, get things like the Inflation Reduction Act passed, get within one vote of a carbon price this past Congress. Um, huge, huge victories. And that's all due to the relationships CCL volunteers form in every single congressional office, no matter where the member is on the political spectrum. Great. Uh, and we're getting closer to the dust settling on the election. <laughs> so can you tell us, you know, how you kind of see that sorting out and how that kind of uh, in, informs our, our going forward with the next Congress? Yeah, so hopefully we'll have answers soon, uh, but it looks like Republicans will probably retake the House. And if they do, they will have a very slim majority, maybe one or two seats at most. Democrats may keep the Senate. We don't know either way. It's going to be a one one seat majority probably in the Senate. So what we know is that it's going to be really tight. It's going to be an incredibly divided Congress. And a lot of people, I think, first think gridlock when they hear that nothing will get done. But what I think, thinking about CCL, thinking about our mission and what we do best, I think bipartisanship. There's no better time for bipartisanship than in a divided Congress. No one party is going to be able to push anything forward on their own they're gonna to have to work together. So that's our bread and butter, finding common ground, getting the sides to collaborate and, and communicate, work together to move climate policy forward. That's what we do. And next Congress is gonna be so important. We keep that fight up and it's gonna be a more timely effort than ever given how close the House and Senate will be. So, so many opportunities for that bipartisan movement on climate policy next Congress. Jennifer Tyler, thank you so much. Uh, we're all, I mean, as you know, we tell you all the time, but I, I hope you'll get tired of it, how thrilled we are to have you here. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. All right, thank you. All right, uh, so you probably noticed from the action sheet that uh, the year under Peel is all underway right now. And I just want to point to something that's different about the match this year. There's a $350,000 match, but it's from all the donations that happen from now until Giving Tuesday. So if you want to have your donation matched one-to-one, -one, um, uh, then please encourage yourself and the other people that are going to be donating to donate now and all the way through Giving Tuesday, because that's where the $350,000 match will happen. So that's a little bit different, kind of you know, gives us a chance to think about donating a little bit early. Um, I want to just say one thing. I mean, uh, you know, obviously we're really excited the amount of legislative success that we've had uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, but what I want to point to is what we're donating to when we donate to CCL is the community that we've built. 
you know, Sam read the quote from Drawdown about 98 to 99% of people are not engaged. And we've built a community where people, it is safe to be engaged. People are engaged. Uh, and I don't know how it is for you, but for me, um, I mean, I've had my moments, but every time I interact with a volunteer, with a donor, with a staff member, with a board member, it usually lights me up. We have really built something as a community that I not only want to continue to build for us, uh, but also include other people in that community. You know, financially, this has been a tough year for some people. Inflation's been tough. The stock market's been down. A lot of people probably donated to campaigns. But please, this year, think about the long-term approach and our ability to continue to build out this really important and effective and hopefully place that you feel as much home as I do. So if you'd please think long-term about this and that this is an opportunity to build on something that we've been building for a long time. For all of you who that works for this year, thank you so very much. I wanna to point to a couple more things that happened since last month's call. A lot of you in, uh, volunteered with the Envo Environmental Voter Project. You know, that was a, an effort to get people who are concerned about climate but don't vote to, to vote. And the goal was by November 8th to get 2.5 people uh, reached out to on a November 8th. That goal was hit. So for everybody who volunteered with the Environmental Project and congratulations itself to the Environmental Project. We also had a goal by November 8th to have 2,000 uh, election events. And we had 1,961. So we didn't quite hit the 2,000, but let me just say to Madeline Para, very bold promise, way to stick our necks out there. That was really fantastic. And we also had over 75 uh, Earth Day events. So a lot of people out in the communities. It was really, really nice to see everybody out there again. Okay, so we have, I believe this is a record, six things that you can participate with this month. So the first is, is to support our year-end fundraiser. And as I said, the front net, the match is the 350,000 is from now until Giving Tuesday. Um, Sam talked about letters to the editor. Uh, next action is because there's gonna be so much opportunity for letters to the editor, both the climate talks, all the elections. Uh, and particularly if you have new um, members, there's nothing funner about them getting a first win than getting themselves published in the paper. When I used to have new interns in the office, one of the first things I would always do was uh, help them get a letter published in our local paper and just seeing their face and when they forwarded that to their family, how exciting it was. Uh, we not only get to influence where things are, but it's a chance for a huge win for, for your new people in particular. Uh, right today to urge Congress to pass the RISE Act, uh, we're focusing on the House right now because there's a, a, a lot already in the Senate. So this has to do with shoreline uh, and ecosystems. It's a good bill uh, and we'd like to get this one knocked out. So it, there, there's a real simple link right there in the action sheet. You could do that today before you leave today's meeting. And again, we're focused on the House because there's already a lot of support in the Senate. Uh, social modus media bonus action is when you register for the conference, post about it on, on social media so that you're spreading it out to people who otherwise might not come. Fifth action, invite someone to the December meeting. You know, a lot of chapters are finding out that they can meet in person or they're doing hybrid meetings now where they're doing uh, the meeting uh, with some people and then some people still coming in by Zoom, but invite someone whether they're gonna be attending live or uh, actually Zooming in, nice to uh, invite people. And then the sixth action is to, um, uh, 
practice our our uh, laser talk or talk that it's about how how we were central to getting the IRA passed. Okay, last thing I want to mention today is our uh, December conference. I said last month, and I want to reiterate again today that I think this is probably the most important conference we've had. We've been very consistent in our messaging over the last several months in that what we've been saying is we're going to focus a huge amount of this organization's effort on getting climate voters to the polls, getting them registered and getting them to the polls. And during the same time, we would be finalizing our, uh, our policy agenda so that when the De December conference comes, we can roll that out. And so those two things happened. And so what will happen is in the December conference will be the first time, December 3rd and 4th, where you be able to get your hands completely around those four areas, carbon pricing, healthy forests, building electrification efficiency, and clean energy per permitting reform. What I encourage you to do is have as many people as possible attend the conference. You might have some people who can attend the whole conference, but you might have some people who are particularly interested in healthy forests or uh, clean energy permitting. And they might want to just attend that session. That's fine. What you want to make sure, though, is, is everybody's registered so that they get the links and the reminders for everything. Uh, and I'd like you to think of the December conference in conjunction with the December meeting, which is a week later, December 10th. So think about the December conference is all of us getting our head around our policy agenda, including our path forward. But then a week later in our chapter, beginning to work on what's going to work for our chapter. I don't think everybody's going to take all four items on initially. And that's why there's not, this isn't more complicated than it is, is there's new things we're going to take on. We want to make it simple. We'll build on as we go along. So um, hoping that we see as many of you as possible at the December conference and then the follow-up December meeting. Okay, next month's speaker is Marcelo Mena. He's the former Minister of the Environment from Chile. He's at the Climate Talks with Joe and Madeline right now in Egypt. So we'll look forward to seeing you uh, getting an update on that and having uh, Marcelo Mania with us next month. All right, everybody, thank you so much. Made amazing stuff happens once a month. Let's keep it up. Let's keep it big. See you next month, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. Go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. It helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world.